0: Hearing about the uh, fruits of the Spirit. Today is uh, talking about peace. Tena Lee uh, is uh, reading the Bible for us. Two uh, chapters. First of all, uh, there is Galatians, chapter 5. Church Bible 1172. So I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbours as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other um, and this time I'll be reading Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to 34 which is page 971 in the church bibles
1: for reading. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, thank you that we can come to your word now. Thank you that it is not just any old book, the Bible, but it is living and it is active. And we trust that as we come with humble hearts this morning, that you would give us eyes of faith to see what it is you want us to see. To hear what it is what you want us to hear and to respond, Father, this morning in repentance and faith. So help us, we pray. Be present by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've not been with us, then um, just to fill you in where we are, we're in the middle of a series looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we're doing that partly to try and understand together a little bit more about who the Holy Spirit is, and the work that he does in our lives, and we have been uh, working our way slowly through the fruit of the Spirit together, and we have settled this morning on peace. Peace is where we're at. So we're going to be thinking this morning about peace, and I thought it would be a nice opportunity to share with you one of my favorite stories. Peace at last. Now, you can see this has been well-read, this copy of Peace at Last. It's been read in our family and in our house many, many times. It's really the story of a dad who can't really find peace in his own home. I'm not really sure why I like the story so much, but that's what it's about. But I also, every time I read it, I feel like it's also kind of underneath it, a deep reflection on the universal quest for peace that we're all on, really. Perhaps I'm reading too much into the children's stories that I read to my kids, but that's basically what I think the story is about. Because I think if you put on the news or open a newspaper, then really what we see are, are two things at work. A world that is in turmoil amid lots of things that are good and that there, there are things to affirm, there's a world in which there is turmoil and discord of all kinds, but also this universal quest for greater peace. And you open any newspaper, and they haven't even seen what goes on at 25 Beach Farm Croft when I'm trying to get everyone to school first thing on a Monday morning. They've still got things to report in terms of the chaos that there is in the world. I don't know whether you can relate to that quest for peace. As I was uh, writing this sermon, it reminded me of the fact that I basically, uh, in my office, I decided that I would try and make it a much more peaceful and calm environment. And so, for my 40th birthday, I bought a fish tank. I thought, a fish tank has got to be the perfect way to create the most tranquil, and serene environment and then people can come and visit they can sit down by the by the fish tank they'll already be feeling better even uh, you know before they get to kind of look at god's word or anything else so in my head this fish tank was going to be a fantastic beautiful calm addition to our lives but ever since we've got the fish tank i spend my life worrying about the fish I'm convinced one of them is, is in some severe depression and has kind of withdrawn from the rest of them and is all on his own. And I just can't stop thinking about them and talking about them. And every time Sarah sees me, I'm saying, I'm a little bit worried about one of the fish. It's not been the experience that I thought it was. And it, it, what it's taught me is basically something that we all know, that achieving peace is a lot harder than simply buying a fish tank. This was something I had to learn. But as we come and look at God's word this morning, I want us to see the difference, really, between achieving peace in our strength or seeking to achieve peace in our strength and and the idea of receiving peace from God. Because they're actually two very different things just to illustrate the point here is uh, someone you you may recognize if you're old enough it's neville chamberlain who was the prime minister um, at the very first at, kind of in the uh, at the end of the 1930s and neville chamberlain very famously came back from a meeting with hitler waving this white piece of paper that's a very kind of iconic image, in which he said, we have achieved peace in our time. And yet within a few months, war had broken out. So there's Neville Chamberlain. That is the concept of the achieving of peace. It's there for a moment, and we put a lot of trust in it, and we think it's real, but it very quickly evaporates. And here are the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And that's the key difference this morning. One is something in our own effort. it's, It's almost kind of impossible to get there. And even when we do, It's short-lived. And the peace of Jesus, which is not something we are achieving, but something we're receiving from him. The eternal, unshakable peace from the king. So the fruit of the Spirit, as we've been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are not the sign of, that you as a Christian are working really well today. You know, oh, I'm being so patient, I'm being so loving, I'm being so self-controlled, aren't I doing well? They're not the sign that you are at work, they're the sign that the king is at work in you. You may know that the, uh, the flag flies over Buckingham Palace when the queen is in residence. Well, there's a sense in which the fruit of the Spirit, spiritual fruit, other flag that is flying in our lives to demonstrate, to show that the King is in residence in our hearts. And as he takes his place, so he will begin to work these fruits out in us. So what I want us to see is that it's the spirit of peace, the Holy Spirit of peace, who gives us peace and makes us channels of his peace, at which point we'll all sing the song we learned at primary school, no doubt, but so right, I'll spare you that this morning. But he makes us channels of his peace, not a peace that we are making for ourselves. So, how are we going to define peace this morning? I have to say, Alexa did a fantastic job, really, of almost preaching my sermon for me as she was talking about the, uh, the, the women's convention yesterday. But how are we going to define peace? Well, the word that Paul uses in Galatians 5 that we've read this morning for peace is the word irene. That's the word in Greek. Are there any irenes here this morning? Do you know any irenes? Are they peaceful people? <laughs> But that's, that's where the name comes from. It's this idea that, you know, no doubt as they, this baby came out of the womb, they were sort of extraordinarily peaceful as they entered the world, and the only name for them was Irene. Maybe not. But the, the, the word is really the word for a sort of tranquility of the soul but it's a tranquility of the soul in the chaos of life. It's actually linked with the word rest in the Bible. Peace and rest often go together. So picture the scene. It's the week before Christmas. You're on Northfield High Street. You're trying to get all your Christmas shopping done. It's absolute chaos. There's mayhem on the high street. There's horizontal rain kind of slashing down, you're cold, you're tired, uh, you're wet, and you finally get home. You put the fire on. You collapse into your favorite chair. With a cup of tea, the cat comes and sits on your lap. You are at rest. You are at peace. It's kind of the the idyllic scene, isn't it? That's the kind of tranquility that this word is seeking to conjure up. Like a mill pond. No disturbance at all inside of us. But of course, the big issue we've got, and the thing we're going to need to think about this morning, is how do we carry that kind of Peace, that kind of rest, that kind of tranquility with us down the high street in the week before Christmas. Because in that moment, we feel anything but peaceful. So what do we do then? Because there are all kinds of uh, fake versions of peace, aren't there? Like withdrawing. That might look like peace for a moment. I'm off. Or as I say to my kids, will you give me just five minutes peace? But that's not really what the Bible means by peace. Or a spa holiday. feels incredibly peaceful, doesn't it? I don't know, I've never had one, but I imagine it does. Or just going on holiday. Except the problem is we often take all of our anxieties with us. Maybe an indifference can look like peace from the outside, can't it? I just don't care anymore. We feel a kind of peace because it just doesn't mean anything to us anymore, but it's not the peace that the Bible's talking about. Or we just give up. What's the point in even trying? And that can look from the outside at least a little bit like peace. But again, it's not... Really, the peace that is conjured up here that is able to have some kind of tranquility of the soul, even in the midst of chaos. See, the opposite of peace, really in the Bible, is anxiety and worry, which is why we read Matthew 6 at the same time. An inner turmoil rather than an inner tranquility what causes anxiety in our lives unwelcome circumstances lack of control unconfessed sin lack of control uncertainty about the future lack of control pain from the past lack of control uncontrolled desires Lack of control, its basically often, almost all driven by a need to be in control of things that we're not in control of. So here's the kind of definition we're going to have this morning. It's this, that peace is a confidence and rest in the wisdom and the control of God rather than in your own. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sorry, shouldn't be doing that. That is true peace a peace of God. There's something supernatural about it. In a sense, what we've been seeing with each of these fruit of the Spirit is that they are kind of superpowers. They're not something we have within us, as much as it might be the case that some people seem to exhibit a slightly more serene character than others. Actually, this kind of peace is of God. And it it transcends all understanding. It's not explainable. It's peace in the storm. And peace in the storm is God's gift to his people. So we're going to look at three aspects of the peace of God. The first is this, peace with God. Here's a really important element of what it means for us to have peace. We have peace with God. Now, if we go back to the beginning of the Bible, what we see is that we had peace with God. As a human race, as those who were made in the image of God, as as his creatures, we walked with God in the Garden of Eden. We were perfectly at peace with God. But then... (laughs) Effectively, the Bible tells us that we began as a human race to wage war against God, to topple him from his throne, to basically seek to be kinds of gods in opposition to him rather than creatures, his creation, under him. And the result is that we are now chaotic people in a world that is now a chaotic world. In our own nature, in our own efforts, we cannot know true and lasting peace. But that then really helps us to make sense of what it means for Jesus to be our peace. If that's the kind of background, then when Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, let me just read this to us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, say this. Talking about Jesus, Paul says, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles becoming one family now in God To those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. What Paul is saying is that three really simple things about Jesus. Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. So the point is this: as we think about what it means to have a tranquility of the soul, it is not about a strategy that we need to find within ourselves some exercises that are particularly going to help us necessarily. It's actually a gift. It's grace. Jesus is our peace, given to us. But Jesus also makes peace between us and God. That's what the cross is all about, isn't it? That we were God's enemies. We were at war against him. And God, in his mercy, stepped into the world in the person of Jesus and died on a cross, taking our rebellion against God on himself so that as we put our trust in him, we can receive forgiveness and be made friends, no longer enemies, but children of God, brought into his family and loved by him. And so really the task in response to the gospel, in response to the cross, is to wave the flag of surrender and establish peace with the God who has rescued us. He's our peace. He makes peace. He also preaches peace. He's the the peace preacher according to Ephesians 2, which means he In Ephesians, the point Paul's making is that he's preaching to people who were far away, those who were Gentiles, who'd never had any understanding of God before this, but also to those who are near, Jewish people who had been brought up with some understanding of God. And he says he's preaching to all of us, whether we're Jew or Gentile, but we might say anyone at all, whoever you are this morning, whatever your background, whatever your history, wherever you've come from, Jesus offers, he holds out this peace to you. It's a picture of really us being completely out of control. Grasping for control ourselves. Being brought into a family with one who is in control of all things. God himself. Imagine you're a little... Puppy, a little puppy dog. I'm not an expert on puppy training, but as far as I understand it, if a puppy has no boundaries, if it feels out of control, if it thinks it needs to be the pack leader, the master, it's, it's crazy. It spends its whole life kind of flitting around and, and running after one person or another. It doesn't obey anyone because it doesn't know who the master is. Imagine we're like a little out-of-control puppy. It feels like no one is in control. It feels like we need to be in control. It feels like we need to organize and, and lead and be the pack leader, but we can't manage it because there are lots and lots of things that are outside of our control. And then here you are, this lovely little puppy, brought into a family where they know how to train puppies. And you begin to realize that you don't need to be in control of everything. You don't need to worry about every little minute detail. Because you're living now in a family with someone else in control. With someone else as the pack leader. Someone else as the master. And you can relax. And be the little puppy you're meant to be. Peace with God. What I want to say this morning is that unless and until we have found peace with God in this kind of way, we will not discover a true and lasting peace amid the storm. Maybe you're searching for peace this morning. Maybe every time I mention the the language of inner turmoil, you just think, that sums me up. Inner turmoil. Come to Jesus. He is our peace. He makes peace. He preaches peace. He is the prince of peace. Peace with God. Secondly, Peace within ourselves. I don't know what you thought when Tenor kindly read for us Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's, It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And He goes on, verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Are you sat there this morning thinking, that just about sums me up. That's exactly how I've been living. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Just yesterday, I was looking at the birds and thinking, how at peace I am with everyone. I suspect not. In fact, as we read Matthew 6, it seems impossible, doesn't it? It seems utterly impossible. Who is like this? Well, actually, the one it really describes perfectly is Jesus. Jesus is like this. And the promise of Scripture is that as he comes and makes his home and begins to rule in our lives, as he flies his flag over our lives, he will nurture this slowly but surely inside of us. Paul says, very interestingly, he says this in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. It's a fascinating way of putting it, isn't it? He doesn't just say, let the peace of Christ fill your heart. He says, let the peace of Christ rule. Let me ask you this morning, what rules your heart? What rules your heart? Because if ambition rules my heart, the minute I fail, I'll be in turmoil. If comfort rules my heart, the minute things get hard, I'll be in turmoil. If feeling desired by others rules my heart, the minute I feel ugly, I'll be in turmoil. If the opinion of others rules my heart, the minute I let people down, I'll be in turmoil. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. And there is the beginning of peace within ourselves. Elsewhere, he puts it like this. We read this last week because it's also about joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is spirit-given peace. This is spirit-filled peace. This is a fruit of the spirit, and it's the peace of God that will flood our souls. Think about that puppy again. There you are. How many of those things that you're anxious about are you actually in control of? How many of those things that you're anxious about do you actually have the power to change? But there's a new master. There's a new ruler. There's a new leader of the pack. And we can relax. This has come at a very good time for me. I have been stressing about all kinds of things. I've been thinking about church here and plans for the future and things we need to think about and do and I've been thinking about a, a particular collaborative church planting movement I'm involved with called 2020 Birmingham and I've been stressing about that I've been stressing about the fish Genuinely, I've been having sleepless nights. Not about the fish. (laughs) And as I've been praying about it and thinking about it, and as I've been preparing this sermon, an extraordinary thought came to mind. It's not my church. It's God's. And I'd like to say that the peace of Christ flooded my soul at that moment. But the reality is it's a work in progress. But it has to start there, doesn't it? It has to start there. Peace within ourselves. And finally, peace with others. We have to go here because this is about the fruit of the Spirit working out in our lives, we have to think about what it means for us to live at peace with others. Let me just read to you a few verses. It's 1 Peter chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you might like to turn there. Um, It's 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'm just going to read from verse 8. Finally, says Peter, All of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech, They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. There's a command in Scripture that we are people who will seek peace and pursue it. Seeking peace is not a passive thing. It doesn't mean you sit there and you say, well, if they want to come over here and apologize to me, that's fine but I'm not moving. That is not seeking peace and pursuing it. Because the point is this, if God offers us peace, then so should we. Otherwise we're denying the very heart of the gospel itself. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers, not troublemakers. Notice they'll be called children of God. It's the sign, it's the sign that we belong to the family of God. So, how do you resolve conflict? How quick are you to apologize? How defensive are you? How do you deal with complaints against you? False accusations? How often do you gossip? Peacemakers, not troublemakers. Paul says, make Every effort to do what leads to peace. Does that that accurately describe the week you've had? (laughs) Hmm, I've made every effort (laughs) to do what leads to peace. Does it accurately describe the hour leading up to coming to church this morning? But at that point, here's the thing for us to remember. Our prayer is, make me a channel of your peace. It's all connected the peace of God, the peace within ourselves, and the peace we then exercise towards others. So go to the source. If you're struggling this morning, go to the source. Go to God. Once we grasp God's peace towards us first, we can be a channel of his peace to others. Let's pray. Now may the Lord of peace himself Give us peace at all times and in every way. Amen.